0: We are in the fourth of what you might call Jesus's ethical teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. Ethical just means what you put into practice in your everyday life. And I don't Although I'm always tempted, I'm not going to do a big review of how we've gotten here, but here's the point. Jesus doesn't give us ethical teachings to shame us with his high standard that we can never reach. He puts forth very high standards because he absolutely believes That under the power of the Holy Spirit, and when we allow him to be the Lord of our life, this is the kind of high character that we can grow up into and actually live out in our lives. And so it's meant to be really good news. It's meant to be vision for the kind of life that is actually possible when we're following Jesus with everything we've got. And so when he talks and he opens up and he talks about, hey, here's how you overcome anger and division, we're supposed to believe that it's actually possible. When he says, here's how you overcome lust, we're supposed to believe it's actually possible. When he says, here's how you overcome adultery and divorce, we're supposed to believe it's actually possible, not on our own strength, because apart from him, we can do nothing. But as we abide in him, learn to be with him, let Jesus be the lord of our life these are the kind of things that are possible and so we're right in that flow of these high ethical teachings and this is what Jesus says next Matthew 5:33 again you have heard it was again you have heard that it was said to those of old you shall not swear falsely but you shall perform to the lord what you have sworn But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and you're no, no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So there is a framework that Jesus uses in these ethical teachings. There's, there's six of them. We're in the fourth. Every single one has it. There's an old way, a new command, and then a kingdom practice something for us to put into practice, to respond to God and to practice it in our life. And as the Holy Spirit empowers us, we will grow into this character that Jesus actually believes is possible. So the old command or the old way that Jesus brings up here is how the people at that time, and we're gonna see it's very much us today, were cheapening oaths to justify lies and hypocrisy. So Jesus gives a new command and says, well, don't even take oaths then, if that's how you're going to look at it. And the kingdom practice to make all this happen is to tell the truth. Live with integrity. That's kind of the summary, but let's break it down here. Jesus starts this topic by addressing or excuse me, with a phrase that seems to combine a couple of Old Testament passages in Leviticus and Numbers to provide a sentiment that they would all be familiar with, as with their Jewish ears. The idea that we should not take the name of God in vain by swearing to God an oath that we don't keep. That's a form of taking God's name in vain that the Jewish ear would be very familiar with of don't do that. That's a very bad thing to make a promise to God and then not keep it. So that's where Jesus says, again, you've heard it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So that's he's hearkening back to that old wisdom. But there's a little bit of context in here that's a little confusing to us. There was an idea that when making an oath, one should swear by something other than God out of respect for God, which we get that, right? However, what, happened, what had happened by Jesus' time is that people began adding a bunch of different things to swear by that Jesus mentions in here, such as swear by heaven or swear by earth or swear by Jerusalem, but here's the problem. What was happening in practice in everyday life was that people were swearing by something less than God himself in order to justify breaking the oath. Over time, swearing by these lesser things, well, I didn't swear by God, I just sweared by Jerusalem. I just sweared by the hair on my head that was a way of intentionally deceptively making an oath that you knew you were not going to keep because you're not breaking it you didn't make it to god so what's really the big deal that's the mindset so jesus comes along and in this passage he's pointing out the hypocrisy of what they're doing because even the jesus's point is even the lesser things that you're swearing by They belong to God, too. (laughs) Heaven is God's. So you're not swearing by God. You're swearing by heaven, and so you feel good about lying? Who owns heaven? That's Jesus' point. Or you're swearing by earth? It's a footstool of God. You're swearing by the hairs on your head? Yeah, God's in charge of that, too. So you're kind of missing the point here in swearing by these lesser things so you can lie intentionally. Because, well, at least God's not involved. Jesus is like, nah. Hypocrisy. It's not working. So he is exposing a vicious cycle of the day. Namely, that hypocrisy and lies had become commonplace, even intentional. Like, intentionally, let's find ways to get around following through on our promises. Jesus goes further into that in Matthew 24... 16 to 18, you can look that up on your own. But just for time's sake, we're gonna move ahead. But it's fascinating that the leaders of the day, the religious leaders who Jesus is talking to in Matthew 24, he says, woe to them because they had become experts at justifying reasons why they didn't need to follow through on their promises and essentially intentionally lie intentionally live hypocritically well at least we didn't swear by god and jesus comes into that scene and and has strong words he says well if that's your mindset well then just don't make any oaths at all now is that probably a hyperbole i would say yes from the standpoint that jesus actually makes an oath when he's talking to Pilate. he swears an oath but he's doing it with integrity The Apostle Paul later swears an oath, but he's doing it with integrity. But when Jesus comes on the scene and saying, man, you have so cheapened the words coming out of your mouth by these intentionally hypocritical and false oaths, I'm going to stop you right there with a new command. Just stop taking oaths at all. And then he's going to assert a transformative practice. Now, all of this is kind of like thick into the weeds right now, right? Because this is like, well, this is not exactly our context. No, it's exactly our context. It might not be the same iterations of lesser oaths, but we are experiencing a very similar vicious cycle today. I mean, have we not lost count of how many times one of our leaders a political leader a cultural leader an influencer a government bureaucrat a head of industry or even a pastor gets up in front of let's say the whole world which means social media and says this isn't true i promise this never happened or i don't recall that that's the good one nowadays if you just amnesia, you have immunity. I don't recall writing that email. I'm not aware. And predictably, it's predictable right now. You know what's coming a short time later. Some type of clear-cut evidence comes out in an email or a video or a picture that reveals that that person that we want to trust is just bold-faced lying. Trust in institutions of power seem to be at an all-time low. But it's also down to the very personal level, the very familial level. Even, I mean, right now it's like, oh great, we have things where it's like, I can track my teenagers with a little GPS ch- chip, and he's like, woohoo! And I, I see that, and I'm just like, in a, in a way, like that's that that's kind of like a tragedy, you know? It's like that's what you do to prisoners on house arrest. Like you have to like put a little clip on them and beep, beep, beep because you know they're just going to, I mean, it's like, ah oh man, there's a, that's a bit of a bummer that good parenting is you got to treat your kid like a, like a, like a prisoner because you can't trust them. Or even how, how often it is I see on social media where you see, I see people talking about how, oh man, I, I caught my husband doing this on his fake social media account. It's like, whoa. It's not just the government bureaucrats that are in a vicious cycle of lying to one another. Marriages have got to snoop on each other's social media account because we can't trust what the other's doing behind our back. We're not immune. It's from the highest levels of, of powerful institutions down to the most familial of relationships. What Jesus is getting at is the vicious cycle of lies and hypocrisy that tear at the very fabric of our relationships and therefore then our society. If we live in a world, and whether that world is ourself, our family, and, and spread it out into the various groups and corporations and institutions if we live in a world where we can't trust each other if truth-telling has become a joke like nowadays what's this generation going to be called the misinformation age if we can't even trust what is true and real from one another we are on the road to collapse There's an interesting term in uh, structural engineering. I'm going to make my dad happy for a moment, who's a civil engineer. Yeah, yeah, he's cool like that. In engineering, structural integrity matters, right? It's this term. I'm going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, it deals with the ability of a structure to, be, <laughs> to support a certain intended load, right? Without breaking, without collapsing. And so when you design a bridge or you design a building or you design a road or a levee, there is some serious engineering, some math, Some wisdom that has to go into that bridge that's going to be able to support those thousands of cars, right? You you know, we go over that 91 overpass on the 15 and 91, and it like it like kind of wobbles, right? You know, it's kind of bouncing, and you're like, did these guys do the math right? (laughs) Like, did they get a C plus in calculus, or did they like? I don't know. This is is it supposed to bounce? It feels weird to me. I remember when my kids were little, they, you know, they were scared of the overpass because you're like 100 feet up and you're bouncing. And that's a weird feeling. They're questioning the structural integrity, right? If the right calculations haven't been done, if the right materials haven't been purchased, if the right application and construction of those materials hasn't all been put together properly, then collapse is a real thing. And unfortunately, once in a while on the news, we see evidence of something not having proper structural integrity, and it ends up in tragedy, right? A bridge collapses. It's a catastrophic tragedy. A building collapses. It's a tragedy. I mean, there's very good research now that when Hurricane Katrina hit and the levees broke in New Orleans, there is sad and large evidence that they knew that those levees were lacking in structural integrity at the time and for a various melee and of bad reasons kind of just rolled the dice that it would be okay. And it wasn't. And and people lost their lives. And it's tragic. And when especially you look back and say, wow, the fact that that potentially could have been averted if humans had done more of their research and had the will to fix the structural integrity. And Jesus, I believe, is talking about exactly that. The words that come out of our mouth, for better or for worse, are creating the structural integrity of our lives. For better or for collapse. We can't really get around that. Do you have one good relationship in your life that is based on lies? (laughs) you cannot get away from the eternal truth that Jesus is speaking here. If and when we choose to live in hypocrisy and lies, there is but one inevitable end. Sooner or later, collapse is coming. And we can look right now at at our culture and we can get very, very appropriately appropriately concerned that you, you look at the broad scale of lack of true information available and we can and should be genuinely concerned that this is not a sustainable pace right now. When no one trusts each other, when we can't trust what a politician on any side of the aisle might be saying, when we cannot trust Big businesses, when we can't trust it, the government is not snooping on private citizens and conspiring with big businesses like Twitter to do so and then lying to our face about it. It's like, ah, misinformation. Let's talk about Fauci. Oh, never mind, let's not. (laughs) But man, the last couple years, can we trust science? Can we trust Mr. Science himself? All of these things, it's, 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 it threatens to bring collapse. But let's not just put it way out there. Let's put it right in here. That's where Jesus would say, let's start. That's where Jesus always starts. He starts with the individual and their own responsibility for our life, for your life. He says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in the singular tense, Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise one who builds their life on the rock. Anyone who doesn't listen to these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like the foolish one who builds their life on the sand. And when the storms come, their life, their house will come, will collapse with a great crash. You know what is the most profound part of that whole thing to me? Is that Jesus puts the call to action in the singular. He says, You build your life on the rock. Don't look out there first, look right here first. You build your life on the rock so you're not part of the collapse. And then as your house is standing amidst the storms, there is something real with integrity that you have to offer to the world around you when they're all collapsing. And they say, whoa, how are you not collapsing right now? And you have good news to share. And in this case, Jesus' solution, Jesus' kingdom Practice in, over, in order to overcome this vicious cycle of hypocrisy, lies, and collapse is unbelievably simple. He just says it like this Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything more than this comes from evil. such interesting words from Jesus. He calls his followers to simplify. There's all this stuff out there about oaths and justifications and what's okay and how close to the limit can we get to not telling the truth and intentionally being hypocritical. And Jesus, again, is like, that's just asking the absolute wrong question. (laughs) You shouldn't be, as religious leaders especially, trying to toe the line of how far close to hypocrisy and lies can we get. Jesus is like, what? That is the wrong question. It's how far away from that can you possibly get? Just don't take oaths at all. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you're having to go down this road of these oaths, it's this, you know, you're going down intentionally the slippery slope of, well, I know I'm not quite telling the truth and I know I'm not quite being integrous here. I know I I'm not being genuine here. I'm trying to be a little bit of a hypocrite here, but uh, it's okay. I mean, it's not gonna do that much damage. Jesus is just like run away from that. Just let your yes be yes. Your no be no. anything other than this comes from evil. Jesus says. And so it is so absolutely simple, but very hard. Tell the truth, Jesus says. It just might transform the world, starting with you. Jesus does want to create a new kind of person. That ultimately then goes to a new kind of family, a new kind of community, a new kind of city, new kinds of structures, a new kind of world. But as Jesus always does, he says, hey, you know what? You want to change the world? Start with you. Tell the truth. And it will transform the world as it transforms you. Another way I like to think about it is Jesus' call to tell the truth is an invitation to a great adventure. The truth leads you into the unknown, right? That's part of the fear. You don't know exactly what's gonna happen if you live with integrity and truth in the moment. That's where hypocrisy and lies often come from. It's it's the short-sighted vision, right? Out of a fear of, uh uh-oh, I don't want this to come out, or if I just lied a little bit here, or if I didn't have, you know, if I kind of allowed myself to be a hypocrite there, it would, in the short-term, protect me from being exposed for this, or having to confront that, or having to be honest about this. It's kind of that short-term short-term gain-type mentality. When Jesus is aware of that and he's saying, yes, that deception, hypocrisy, and lies might be a short-term gain, but it is a long-term crash that's inevitable. Integrity, honesty, and truth are the long game. They're the long-term gain of you building your house on a rock so that you've got nothing to hide, nothing to fear, nothing to be afraid of. But to get from here to there, it does take courage. Because as you live with integrity and speak truth, the positive way to say it is, you're going to find yourself on an adventure. The adventure of having to confront the real you. That's really what integrity is all about. Integrity is about having the inner life And the outer life line up to be in alignment with one another. That who you say you are on the inside is who you are on the outside. And who you say you are on the outside is who you are on the inside. That is integrity. That word is a cool one. It means like a wholeness, an integration of your outside and your inside, of your mind and your spirit. You're not saying one thing and doing the other, like Jesus says, where their lips say one thing, but their heart is far from me. Woe to you hypocrites. And so this life of integrity and telling the truth is challenging because you're going to have to confront things in yourself at times that you're not proud of. But as we looked at last week, that's the freedom that we have in Christ, to live in the light. As 1 John 1, to 5-9 says, when we choose to live in the light, to tell the truth, to confess, to have that integrity, to not have a, a disintegration between what's coming out of our mouth and what's in our hearts, when we live with that integrity, there's two promises. One is that you will be forgiven Because Jesus is the only one who's perfect anyway, so bask in that glory that he wants to forgive you and put his perfection upon you. He already knows you're imperfect, so stop trying to fake it anyway. Bask in the perfection of Christ and his perfect offering, death and resurrection. His blood can cleanse like nothing else. So he tells us to come into the light for forgiveness, and then what cleansing from all unrighteousness. And that cleansing means a purifying, where your character actually gets transformed. But that takes courage to go on that adventure of telling the truth. But it is an adventure that will set you free from lies, from the bondage of knowing you're lying, of knowing you're Lacking integration on the inside and the outside and into the freedom of integrity. The freedom of honesty. The freedom of truth. The freedom of knowing you're forgiven. The freedom of having your character transformed so that the outer and the inner more and more line up until you become a person of high integrity. So two examples Practicing the truth, choosing integrity enables you to live in freedom before God and others. So when life's hard and you're going through a challenging season or you're struggling through a trial, how do you respond when someone asks you, and I would say someone that you trust asks you, how are you doing? How are things going? How's life? Do you slap on the smile and say, great. (laughs) Lie to them and yourself just to avoid how we're really doing? That's an integrity check right there. Is the outward and the inward going to be lined up? And if the answer is kind of that, you know, typical cultural, great. Right there in that moment, we are weakening the structural integrity of our life and setting ourselves up for a crash at some point. And I'm not saying you should spill your guts to everybody. Absolutely not. Trust is earned. You shouldn't. But you should spill your guts to somebody. At least one, maybe two, maybe three. Maybe you just need to work on building those trusting relationships so that there are people in your life that you can go to and be honest and real and have that integrity of inner and outer. I read a very, very sad stat that said right now in this country among American adults, more than half of American adults say that they don't have even one person that they completely trust to go and share life's hardest struggles with. That is, that is a tragedy because if that, that says we're alone. And if we're alone and isolated at the deepest levels of not being able to share honest struggles, vulnerabilities, hurts, hopes, dreams, frustrations, if we're alone, we're suffering. We are not made to do life alone. There is great freedom when we tell the truth. So that's why I have shared before. <laughs> I'm bugged by that phrase. "Hey, how you doing, man? everything good? Now maybe I'm being a little bit too cynical on what is meant to be a friendly greeting, but I don't like it. I feel like it has to do with a little bit of the kind of the cheap, fake, shallow culture that doesn't really want to ask, how are you really doing? I mean, you want my answer to be, yeah, everything's good. Because if I ever say that, I'm lying. This side of heaven. What I like to say in response to that is, whoa, everything good? No. I typically get like, well, And then before they freak out that I've lost my salvation, I'll be like, God's good, don't worry. Is everything good in my life? No. Like, I'll hear it. Challenge here, struggle here, triumph here, attack here. I mean, you don't live in the real world either? Like, There's always challenges. And if you're trying to fight the good fight, then there will always be attacks coming your way. The enemy's going to have a target on your back if you're in any way useful to God. If it's all quiet on the front, something's the matter. No, everything's not good, ever. But is God victorious here? I mean, yeah. You want to sit down and have a real conversation? Here's some breakthrough that God's doing. Here's a blessing here. Here's where I'm grateful. Here's what I saw God do yesterday, this week, this month. Here's the answers to prayer for this year. But here's the challenges. Here's the struggles. Here's the valley. And it feels amazing to not have to be as scared of that. Now, again, I'm not saying you spill everything to everybody. You shouldn't. Those trusted people should be one, two, three, four, five, maybe, and then maybe a ten. But on the most intimate level, just a few. And oh, the freedom that Jesus offers. So when someone that you trust says, how you doing? And you know how you're doing. And you know that you're struggling and you know you need prayer, and you know you got a heaviness, and you know you're hurting, in that moment, you feel an exhilaration, an adventure that Jesus is inviting you to, to tell the truth right now, and say, you know what? I could actually use some prayer. I'm really struggling with this, or I'm frustrated by this, or this is hard right now. Can I be honest with you for a minute and share this, and would you pray for me? The freedom... Is beautiful there that you're not carrying a heavy weight on your soul of being a liar of having hypocrisy hypocrisy is a heavy weight and you know it we all know it because we feel it when we go through hard times and we're not telling the truth to others it doesn't feel good can I get an amen anybody ever felt that right no one feels good. Oh, I'm carrying these heavy weights right now. I've got this hard challenge. I've got bad fruit in my life. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. I'm scared. I'm lonely. But nope, I'm good. I'm going to carry it all by myself. That feels terrible. Jesus has a better way. He has a solution. He says that's never supposed to be your reality. In the kingdom of God, that is not my will for your life. I want you to live in this joyful, adventurous freedom where in the midst of hard times, huge amounts of the burden are lifted because you don't go through it alone. You go through it with integrity, which means in the context of your community, you tell the truth. You let the inner and the outer line up, and that alone brings an enormous freedom from the heaviness of the challenge itself. Because then you begin to, what the Bible says, bear one another's burdens. And that's a, that's a picture of the old style oxen and the yoke where two are better than one. One oxen can't even do it on their own. You put the yoke on two and they're flying. That's what happens when you and I live in truth and integrity with one another, And lastly, practicing truth builds trust for healthy relationships. Maybe I should have done that one first because that's the trust that is needed in order to live in that adventurous freedom of being honest with a few when we're going through struggles needs to have that foundation of trust. Trust is built on truth. If you're lying to them, you're not going to be building trust. And it sounds so basic, but it is utterly critical to recognize the wisdom of Jesus when he's pointing out that the, the lies that that culture and this culture we're so easily getting into breed a fear and a mistrust that, that really tear apart the, the fabric of relationships. You can't have trust where you don't have truth. And this, this is where I'll, I'll just give a very, very brief testimony of after practicing telling the truth for 25 years in relationship with my wife, We see Jesus' wisdom, and it's it's hard to tell the truth, right? It's hard to be honest about your struggles at times, especially when they're about each other, right? But hey, do that with grace and patience and the love of God in the midst of your relationship, and love covers over a multitude of sins, and he enables you to forgive, and he enables you to be cleansed. We made a decision a long time ago, 25 years ago, this is before we were married, to live our relationship based on 1 John 1, 5 to 9, which is live in the light. Don't be like Adam and Eve who sewed on fig leaves because they were afraid to be exposed. They had shame. No, we're living not in that fallen reality. We're living in now the new covenant reality of Jesus Christ who wraps us us each in a robe of righteousness. So we are perfect in his eyes. Therefore, we need not shame. We can allow ourselves to be vulnerable and exposed and honest and know that we're forgiven. And to the degree that we're honest and real with integrity, we will be cleansed, transformed, So practicing that kind of truth for 25 years has built an abundance of trust to where I can say I trust my wife more than any person on the planet. I don't have to worry about where she is, who she's with, who she's talking to, what she might be saying, doing, or planning behind my back. And I'm just saying glory to God of the fantastic freedom that comes through taking Jesus up on his offer to practice truth over and over and over so that you can get to the point with people in your life where you know you have nothing to hide from them. You're an open book. Here's me, all of me. Here's my emails. Here's my social media. Here's my text messages. Here's, my, here's this corner of my heart. Here's my mind. And to know I have nothing to hide, and I'm accepted for who I am, loved for who I am, and actually in that honest exposure, I'm getting transformed to be more like Jesus because of the promise of God that says when we're real with people, we get cleansed and transformed. So I got nothing to hide, and I'm confident she's got nothing to hide, and we're not hiding anything from one another. That's freedom. That's a freedom that Jesus wants So we're not living with the heavy burden of hypocrisy and lies. And all I can say is, (laughs) Jesus is good. This kingdom practice of overcoming hypocrisy and lies by telling the truth and choosing integrity is a practice That's why at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. This is not a one-time decision. I mean, you do have to make a decision, but it's not gonna be lived out perfectly. Jesus says, put it into practice. There'll probably be a starting point where you know God's calling you to say, hey, tell the truth here. Live with an outer and inner alignment right here. Integrity right here. And then he's going to show you that and you're going to put it into practice and you're going to be like, ah, that feels good. Freedom. And then he's going to say, now let me show you this area. Let me show you this. Let me show you this. And over really a lifetime, he's going to teach us and is teaching us to put into practice the truth and integrity that his kingdom is all about. That build relationships of trust and bring relationships of freedom. And so when things around us are collapsing, we've got a house built on the rock that has good news to offer to the world around us. So let's take Jesus up on his offer today and every day. Speaking of my wonderful wife, I'm going to have her close our time with some words, and then we'll pray. I love
1: the word authenticity. Casey was saying that over and over again. And authenticity goes both ways. Both us having the courage to be honest with trusted folks, trusted people in small groups, in life groups, in the one-on-one, in, this, in the fellowship for us having the courage to be authentic so that like the verse that Casey and I have loved for so long in 1 John about walking in the light as he is in light Um, and not hiding in the darkness, that when we walk in the light that he transforms us and we have fellowship with God and with one another, which is amazing. And, and the other verse that I always love that ties along with that is the verse in James that says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And sin isn't just, I don't know, this culturally, ooh, idea of sin. Sin literally means in the Bible, what was it, the mark? Missing the mark. Missing the mark. Yeah, I'm like, wait, something the mark. <laughs> I, know, I know what I'm thinking. I just can't... Um, Got a little too, little too little sleep last night, but it's missing the mark and the mark are God's ways and God's heart. So in any way that we need his revolution in our hearts, whether it's anxiety and worry, whether it's anger, whether it's trust in him, whether it's carrying, carrying a heavy weight and a heavy, a heavy burden, because of different mindsets, anything that is less than heavenly in our lives, anything that is less than what Jesus paid for on the cross, which is heaven on earth, his lordship over everything, anything that is less than that in our lives, that God wants us to always feel the courage to be authentic because there's so much hope in that, that we can take him up on his promises, That is, we are authentic with one another, that we will experience the power of God. And and when we are honest with one another, you know, my personal testimony all the time is when I go to Casey to my close friends and I talk about and I just share, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you know in your head something isn't true, but your heart is struggling. And you just honestly share. And then you get prayed for by someone who cares about you. And God just moves in and he transforms. And there's fellowship that you have. And your life is changed. And there's so much bondage in the American church because of lies that we have to pretend that we're perfect. Jesus died because we're not perfect. We never will be. We are being transformed from one degree of glory to another, like 2 Corinthians 3.16 talks about. We're being transformed daily. So if we're being transformed daily, that means that we always have parts of us that are not fully Christ-like. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any more degrees of glory to go. Right? And he's not a liar. So, so the truth of the cross is that we have the freedom to live in authenticity, like children, like children do with their fathers and mothers. You know, when children have loving parents, they're not afraid to share their struggles. Mommy and daddy, help me. I don't understand this. You know, and if they live in a really healthy household with wonderful parents, there's just, they know that whenever they struggle, they can come to mom and dad for help. And that's what God wants for us. And God wants us as the church to live a revolution of authenticity, of true authenticity, where we have the freedom to be honest about our weakness with one another, to pray for one another, to humbly pray for one another, because we're all in the same boat. We may not have maybe the exact same struggle, but we're all in the same boat. We all need to be transformed. And God wants to lead a revolution of authenticity so that we can bear the true fruit of the kingdom. Kingdom transformation into His image, our character into His image, our world into His kingdom. I
0: was singing.